Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. I have a, a simple question tonight that I want to look at in God's Word. For those that are new, I gotta welcome you guys first. Welcome. Uh, I'm Pastor Daniel, and I recognize that there's a bunch of you that have a church somewhere else, but you came because somebody was getting dedicated. Welcome. We're glad that you are here. And we're going to celebrate with them again after service. But right now, I get the honor of sharing, and I want to talk about what you want. Um, Because I think that if I was to go and ask you, most of us would want something. And if we thought about it longer, we'd probably change the thing that we wanted. And if I asked you real quick, you'd probably spit something out. And then later you're like, well, if, if I knew I could have asked for what they asked for, I, I would have picked that. And I got thinking, like, in fact, I was debating on what to call this message. I'm like, do I call it? What do you want? Uh, I was reading through the Bible. And there's a bunch of people who had these really great asks with a K. And I was like, if you're reading subtitles, there is a K. And I was like, do I, do I name it off of their ask? You know, do you have a great ask? But I thought, you know, maybe not. We'll go with what do you want? But as I look through the Bible, there's a bunch of asks, some questions that were posed that are really, really powerful. And I believe that there's some questions that are posed to us uh, that are, are really powerful. The first question I want to look at is this question that God asked Solomon. So if you're unfamiliar with it, Solomon was a king whose father was a king, uh, which is kind of common. And and as David was a great king and as Solomon goes to take the throne, he takes it and things take off and he's like, I am following in huge footsteps and feeling a little bit inadequate, but he is set to worship God, wants to honor God. And in, we're going to look at 1 Kings Chapter three, he, he does this, he dedicates the temple and he's sacrificing and it says, and at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God said, ask, what shall I give you? And then I, I thought, That's, that'd be so crazy. Could you imagine being there or just tonight in your dream? What would you do? How would you respond if God shows up and is like, hey, what do you want? Like, that's what he gets. He gets, ask, what shall I give you? How do you respond when God just shows up and is like, what can I give you? And, and Solomon goes through and he actually gives a, a fairly lengthy answer. And then he goes, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. And he asks God for wisdom. And God doesn't go, hmm, should have picked something different. In fact, God goes, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this. And God goes on, since you didn't ask for the life of your enemies or or for riches and this things, he goes, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you fame. I'm going to, and he like took his request and gave him all of that. And they go, well, that's, that's awesome. But this isn't the only time that this question comes up. If you look in 2 Kings chapter 2, there's an odd story. I don't know if you ever read your Bible and find things odd, but this was on my odd story list. And so we're coming up to the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah is a prophet and has been a prophet in Israel for a long time. And God did stuff that was crazy with Elijah. Like called fire down from heaven, 
crazy, crazy cool stuff. It rained or didn't rain at his work. I mean, there was just awesome stuff. And he's been, Elisha's been traveling with him and God's getting ready to take Elijah in a crazy way where like a chariot from heaven comes down, picks him up and takes off. Like that's not normal. But before this happens, he knows it's going to happen and he keeps trying to lose Elisha. And so if you get into 2 Kings chapter 2, he, he says to him, hey, I'm going to leave you here. And Elisha goes, no, 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 I will not leave you. And he goes a little bit further, he goes to another spot. And he's like, hey, how about you stay here? And he goes, I will, he goes, as the Lord lives, as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And he gets on and then finally Elisha, Elijah says to Elisha, um, he, he goes through and he goes, what do you want? Ask, what shall I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha says, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And I thought, man, what a, what a response to this question. He goes, what do you want? And he didn't say, I want a lot of money. I, I want, he goes, no, I want, I want double what you got. I want God's spirit on me twice what you have. I want to see God move more powerfully in my life, double what happened in yours. And Elijah is like, well, you've asked for a hard thing, but if you're with me when I get taken, it'll be granted. Now, I find this really odd because he's been trying to ditch Elisha all day. I'm like, you don't want to pass on a double portion. You're like, but I'm pretty sneaky. Good luck. But what's crazy is he, he says this to him. And just after he says it, as they still went on and talked, behold, the chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind. And, and he gets this. And if you actually, okay, I have not counted the miracles out personally, but I was told if you count out Elijah's miracles that are recorded and the miracles that are recorded to Elisha, when Elisha died, he was one short of exactly double. After he died, there was a, there were some raiders and things that were going on in Israel and somebody died and they were going to bury him, but they didn't have much time. They thought they were going to get raided. They just opened a, a, a cave tomb, threw the guy in there onto his bo- the dead guy. They threw onto Elisha's body. And when it hit Elisha's bones, the dead guy came back to life, completing the double. And... But I, I thought this was crazy because Elijah doesn't seem to want, Elijah doesn't seem to want to pass it on. But as soon as he goes, hey, you can have it if you're there, God's like, great, he's there, boom. I'm like, Elijah's like stingy with it. And God's like, no, 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 let, let me pour this out. This is, this is what I want to do. I want to move. I want to pour myself out through him. I want to grant this request. I'm like, okay, this is, this is really, really cool. You go to Mark chapter 10. We get the same, or we get a little bit of a different, but we end up with the same question. But this is the crazy story. And we could preach this whole night on this one story, but we're going to cover a little bit of ground. But there's a blind man named Bartimaeus. And Jesus starts coming by and the blind guy is blind, so he can't see. So he's like, what's going on? I hear a lot of commotion. And the people in the crowd that are coming by are like, oh, Jesus is coming by. And Bartimaeus is like, Jesus, Jesus, son of David. 
And he is just like hollering. And everybody that's coming by is like, shut up. Stop. You're annoying. Your request is crazy. You are, and they all tried to get him to stop. And they go through and it says they rebuked him in verse 48. And many of them rebuked him for his thing. Jesus stopped and called him. And then they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And I thought this was really funny. You just told him to shut up. And then when God calls him, oh, good for you. So glad you didn't. And I thought, you know, if, if we let the crowd around us determine what we go for and what we don't, the crowd will, in, will, they will stop you from getting all that God has for you for their own convenience. Don't let their convenience rob you of what God wants to do in you. So, so he, he calls out and Jesus calls him. And we have the deal with the crowd and there's lots of lesson there. But when he comes, he comes up to Jesus and in verse 50, he threw off his cloak. Now, this doesn't mean he got stripped. It means he had a beggar's cloak and he threw it off and goes, hey, that's not who I am. As he takes off towards Jesus. And when he walks into Jesus, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? You're Jesus, he's blind. Really? Why do you have to ask him, what do you want me to do? Is it not obvious? And some people may go, well, he threw off his beggar's cloak. But when the guy can't see, you can still tell. When the guy's walking up like this, like you, you, you can tell. Why did he ask? And I got looking at this and I got pondering this going, well, what would have happened if he would have come up to Jesus and Jesus would have been like, what do you want? He would have said, I am so hungry. I want food. Or he's like, I have been begging all day and this crowd is so distracted by you that nobody notices me. Can you just tell everybody to put a shekel in my cup? What would have happened? I think that Jesus' answer wouldn't have changed. Um, he said, your faith has made you well. He gave him exactly what he believed for. The man said, I want to see. And Jesus goes, all right, your faith has made you well. I think if he would have come up and said, Jesus, I just want everyone to give me a shekel. Jesus would have provided a shekel. I think if he would have said, Jesus, yesterday, I ran into something. Hazard of being blind. I have a bruise. My leg hurts. Can you heal my leg? I think Jesus would have responded, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And his leg would have been healed. But it, it left, me, left me pondering because this comes up a bunch. This, what do you want me to do for you? And this response of according to your faith or um, go your way, your faith has made you well. In, in Mark, there's an amazing story of a woman and I've got like three thoughts that we're going to put on shelves and we'll put them all together, all the pieces together when we get done. So I want to look, thought number one, you have this question, what do you want? And you see Jesus, you see God responding throughout the Bible to this question. Number two, you have this, this according to your faith response. 
And so you have in Mark 5, there's this story as Jesus is going, somebody's kid is dying and Jesus is on their way to save this kid, this daughter. And on the way, there's a crowd that's following him and there's a woman who, who's not supposed to be in the crowd. This woman has an issue of blood and as, as such, she's ceremonially unclean and not supposed to be there with everybody. But she looks and she goes, if, if I touch his garment, I'll be made whole. And so she gets through the, the crowd and it says that she, she's going for the corner of his garment. Now, the corner of his garment is at the bottom of his garment. It does not make sense. It, I can't picture her walking through the crowd and then going, excuse me, let me grab the bottom of your garment. You're like, that's awkward. She grabbed the bottom of his garment. I think she went through the crowd like my kids. And if you ever, like, you get adults up there and they're all of a sudden like, oh, there's someone in front of us. We all stop. But when we went to a thing downtown the other day and there was people doing weird, cool stuff and the kids wanted to see it, we all like, oh, we're there. And my seven-year-old's like, oh, but I can't see very back here. I'm like this tall. So he's just like, like he drops. Because people's hands are here, but he's like, if your shoulders touches their shoulder, there's a gap between here. He just drops and to the front of the line. Seems like that's what this lady did. She just like, they're all looking at Jesus. I'm going to get down to the ground and like just beelines through, touches the corner of his garment and she feels something different as soon as she does. And she was healed. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned the crowd and said, who touched my garment? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pushing around you saying, who touched me? And this is crazy. So you have Jesus and you have the whole crowd pushing up against him. If they're pushing up against him, they're touching him by default. But one person touched him and power went out of him. Why? And I begin to look at this, and Pastor touched on this this morning, if you were here. And if you weren't, he still touched on it this morning. But when the power can be available, but that does not mean you're benefiting from it. He brought on, the power company's sending the power, but if you leave the light switch off, you don't get any light. This, this lady, she turned on the switch that drew on the power that Jesus had. And it wasn't power in, in her. So Jesus said, it was your faith. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. And some people get thinking that the power is the faith. The power is not faith. Faith plugged her into the power. Jesus felt the power go out of him. Whose power? Jesus' power. It wasn't, your faith is power, therefore you're healed. He goes, no, I have the power. Your faith connected it to me. I felt the power go out of me, therefore you are healed. He says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You are healed of your disease. And so I started looking at this. I'm like, okay, so, so her faith connected her to his power. And this is said over and over again in Matthew 8.13, Matthew 8, or 9.29. Uh, it goes through and says, As you have believed, 
be it be done. According to your faith, be it done to you. This comes up over and over that, that God's response was your faith has made you well. So they responded, their faith drew on the power. So we have this, this question of what do you want? We have this faith that draws on the power. And I got thinking, what if you were there? What would you have asked for? And I, I got pondering this because it's so, I don't know, it's easy to read sometimes a Bible story and to separate yourself by thousands of years. But if you stick yourself in the story, everything changes. You're like, what would I do if God showed up in my dream and is like, what do you want me to give you? What would I do if, if he sits here, if you were standing there with Elijah and he goes, what do you want? What would I do if Jesus called me and I stood in front of Jesus and he says, what do you want me to do for you? God is not a genie. Don't, don't mistake this illustration. Don't take it too far. But if I gave you a genie and I, you were not allowed to wish for more wishes or more genies, what would you ask for? I want you to think about it for a second. And I, I bet that nobody in here was like, you know what, I would wish for a burger with extra ketchup. You're like, why? Why, why would no one wish for a burger? You're like, because that's a waste of a wish. You can go get a burger from just down the street. If you wished for a little bit of money, you can buy more than one burger. You're like, that would be stupid. That would be a waste of a wish, right? But when I begin to think about this, you do realize that these questions have been posed to you. In, in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, therefore I tell you, Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 16, John 16, 23, John 16, 24, all tell you that if you ask, you will receive. But I had a conversation just the other day with somebody. And they, he asked, he, <clears throat> he'd asked me for, to pray for something. I'd prayed for it. He received exactly what we prayed for. And then later, he's like, did God answer my prayer? Or was it the medicine? Or was it this? Sometimes that happens. And I got thinking, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of Christians who will never know if God answered their prayer. Because they never prayed for anything that required God to do anything. They were like, it was a 50-50 shot. And I just prayed that it would roll towards the positive 50. And I got thinking, going, well, what? What am I going to ask? What have I asked? And James says this, you do not have because you do not ask. There is so much power in this. I learned this I'm trying to remember what birthday it was. Whatever it was, my parents always got me stuff as a kid and you're like, hey, this is great. And then one year, <clears throat> I just figured they would get me something and my birthday came and I think they were like, forgot that it was my birthday or something. I think they might have like said happy birthday and I got nothing and like at the end of the day, I think they gave me a, a beach towel. 
And I was like, you know what? You have not because you ask not. And so next time, I'm going to ask for something. And so next time, I think I asked for a pair of rollerblades that were not cheap. And I got a pair of rollerblades. And I thought, you know, never again <laughs> shall I ask not. Because I have not. Because I ask not. They want to be a blessing, especially if you ask about something that they value. And then that, that thought just occurred to me. Like I, I learned that I, if I ask my parents for something that they think is weird, they're probably not going to spend a lot of money on it. If I ask for something that they think is important, they're really likely to make it happen. And I got thinking about this, and I got looking, and I got wondering, what are we asking of God? Now in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And I thought, okay, so I can't go asking to kill people, obviously. That's not God's will. So I started looking, going, okay, what can I ask? What am I supposed to ask? What have I asked? And I quickly jotted down a few points, like 20 of them. And it didn't take very long to go, does, is, does God give me something that I should be asking? He says, yeah, you should be asking for the Holy Spirit. You should be asking for wisdom, for boldness, for laborers to go and witness, for God's will to be done, for provision, for forgiveness, for our cares. We should be bringing them to him. We should pray and ask for the word of God to spread quickly and to be honored, for deliverance, for healing, for um, not giving in to temptation, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for God's promises, for the nations, for the peace of Jerusalem. We should be praying in tongues. We should un be praying for understanding and for knowledge, for things to go well, and for others. <clears throat> Not in a specific order, but as I just started jotting them down, that's the, the order that I started to notice them. And I begin to realize that this changes things. That if, if I ask, it changes. That God's literally saying, just as I saw those stories, and it's amazing as God answers these things in these powerful ways, what do you want me to do for you? And I look and I remember being a little kid going, oh, that would be so cool. And then finally connecting the dots going, oh wait, when he said to ask and you shall receive, I got the same offer that Solomon got, that Elisha got, that the blind Bartimaeus who stood in front of Jesus got. But what am I doing with it? What have, what have I asked God to do? What have I asked God to do in me? What have I asked God to do in my family? What have I asked God um, to, to show me? What have I asked God to do through me? And I, be, I begin to look and I begin to ponder this. And it's so powerful. And here in a minute, I want to, I want to ask and I want to pray over you. Because I believe your ask matters. And I believe that the number one reason people don't have answered prayers is that they don't pray them. And if you ask not, you have not. And when I look, I think God wants to answer some prayers that people haven't prayed. And I think a lot of people are carrying a burden that they weren't meant to carry because they were supposed to pray. 
in Philippians chapter four, verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. But it goes on, it says, and the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that anxiety and depression is a, I think it's into the billions of dollars industry. They aren't paying billions of dollars because they like it. But he sits here and goes, if I take my request to him with thanksgiving, that the peace of God will fill me. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says to cast my cares on him because he cares for, for us. And I begin to look and go, okay, well, if in 1 Peter, in fact, just before that, it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He goes, if you'll humble yourself and recognize that you can't do it all on your own and put your trust in him instead of in you, that he will carry your cares for you. In Matthew, we're told not to worry about these things because if we seek him first, he'll take care of the rest. And there are so many people that are carrying anxiety and worry because they're carrying all of the what ifs that could be. He goes, will you bring them to me? And some people go, yes, I'll bring them to you. I'll tell them to you and they'll take them back and walk away. And he goes, no, no, will you bring them to me and leave them with me and will you trust me to be your answer? Will you cast your cares on me? Because if you do, I'll trade you my peace for your cares. Let me take on your worries and you can take on my peace. Isaiah 26.3 says that he keeps in perfect peace those who keep their eyes fixed on him. And it's an offer for you. And it's an offer for me. I want to I pray over you. There are a couple things I want to do, but on that list, I'm going to pray for you. So God, I thank you for everybody here and God, for everybody that's watching. God, I thank you that you told us to ask and that we should receive and God, so I ask, God, that you would pour out your spirit, that they could have a revelation of you and of your love. God, that you would show them who you are. God, I thank you for those that are carrying a burden that they weren't meant to carry. God, that you would lift that burden that they could leave tonight lighter. God, that you want to lift that off of their shoulders. God, I thank you for healing in these bodies. God, that those that have come in broken, that you came to heal the brokenhearted, that you came to heal the broken bodies, that by your stripes, they are healed. God, I thank you for hearts that are being softened, for relationships that are being restored. God, I thank you for their relationships at home. God, that they would bring healing, that their eyes would be opened, that hearts that have been hard would be softened, that there would be apologies, that there would be forgiveness, that you would work on their hearts, God, that they could value each other, that they could look to you first and see you at work in their, their lives. God, I thank you for those that have been broken to be healed, for those that are addicted to be set free. God, we thank you that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. God, I thank you for a revelation of you, for a revelation of our identity, of who we are in Christ, that we could know you, love you, and live for you, God, that we would have a bold confidence, that we could walk out your plans in every part of our life, that we wouldn't need to prove who we are. We wouldn't need to win every argument, God, because we would have a confidence in you. God, I thank you for the inheritance that you have made available to your saints, that you would give us a revelation of what you have made ours, God, that you would give us a desire and a hunger for others to know 
you that your love would fill us and overflow from us, that we would have a kingdom mindset, a kingdom perspective, God, that we could value what you value and that it would flow through us. God, I ask that you would direct and guide our steps for each person who's come ready, God, who's been wondering and questioning, God, that you would guide them and direct them, that as they look to you, that you would make plain the path before them that you would give them supernatural wisdom. God, I thank you that as we have need, that you said you can supply our needs. God, that we could look to you and we thank you that you are our provider. God, that you are our healer and our redeemer. God, I thank you for these that are parents. God, that you would give them wisdom. God, that you would give them wisdom to identify the different gifts, skills, and talents in their children and to raise them up to follow you. That you would give them grace and you would give them patience as they parent even when they are missing sleep. God, I thank you that you strengthen them and God, that their children would be molded after you, that they would follow after you all the days of their life, that they would not turn away from you, that the seeds that are sown in them as a child would grow and that they would be a generation that follows you, God, that hearts would be turned towards you, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper, that greater is he who's in them, that he who's in the world. God, I thank you that our children are taught of the Lord, that they will know you, follow you, and serve you all of their days. God, I thank you for these parents that they will follow you that they will set the example god i thank you for humility god for a pouring out of your spirit and a revelation of who you are and of your great love for us in jesus name and i want to invite you this week to pray and i invite you today if God's looking at you and say, what do you want? How do you answer? Tell him. Because he likes you. He offered it to you because he wants to answer. He wants a relationship with you. He paid the highest price for us. I look in the mirror, I look at my mistakes, and I go, God, why? He goes, because I love you. He loves you. And if you don't know him, it's the most powerful prayer you'll ever pray. The Bible says that he stands at the door of your heart knocking. He says, will you answer? He says that all those who call on his name will be saved. As we ask for anything, it's the most, most important. And if you've not done that, I want to give you an opportunity to respond and say, Jesus, I want you. I want what you have for me. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you say today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to surrender my life to him and I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm way to heaven. I'm gonna to count to three. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. If you're online, you can type in, that's me, or click the little raise hand there. One, get ready. Two, if you wanna know that you're right with him. Three, go ahead and raise up your hands. That's me. I wanna follow Jesus. I see your hand, and I see your hand, and I see your hand. Who else is, that's me, and I see your hand. Who else? Awesome. See those. All right. We're going to do what the Bible says. It says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. So go ahead and join me as we say, God, thank you.
for loving me, even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. I believe that your blood paid the price for me. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.